When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to The Psychologists Are In. I'm Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Elmitson. And this week, we are talking about the season four finale. Time has finally come. I'm both excited, sad, reminiscent, and giddy. Because for this one, we got Yang herself to come on the show. That's right. We got the incredibly talented Ali Sheedy to talk about her role as Yang on Psych. Together, we chat about season four, episode 16, Mr. Yin Presents. And Ali also graces us with some amazing insight on her character choices and why. I, I'm so excited for you all to hear this episode. I was just uh, looking through photos, Ali. I'll get your approval. I found one of one from some red carpet thing we did for Psych. I want to say in maybe like twenty, like season seven, right around the time of this episode. Uh, I, well, I had short hair, so but we were on a red carpet together, and it's like a great picture. So you <laughs> both, you you're going to prove you both look gorgeous. We were in New York. Something. That's right. Yeah, right? and I was, I was. Um, I think James said, you know, could you stop by? I was actually going somewhere else. So I stopped by and did okay. a few pictures and then ran away. You were here for Tim. What was it? You, some, was it the premiere of the season or something? I know it was uh, I way it was, after it was, it I was the, worked. Huh? I think Maggie, they, didn't they play the movie? They played one of the movies. This is the yeah, photo. Maybe. It's such, you guys, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you can't tell that. Yeah, I remember. I remember that day. I just, I don't remember what event it was for you all, but I do know because you were in New York, James, you said like, come by. And so I came by and I don't, I don't know what the, I thought it was like the premiere of your next season or something like that. It must but have maybe been. It was the movie. I, or, and I think it, it was, uh, what, I think it was up front. I think it was the movie. Because remember they, they lined up around the block to see one of the movies? Yeah. Oh, there the are people episodes. lined up all over. I wonder if it was the musical. I bet it was the musical. I don't think so because I was in the musical. And I think if it was the musical, (laughs) I think if it was the musical, you would have said, I I think this was for something else. And it was just because you guys were there. James has just said, come by. So of course. And actually I've got a photo of you and I, and I think Kirsten's in it too. It's more of a group shot of us on a red carpet. And I remember because I'm in in a white, I'm I'm in a white dinner jacket. Oh my God. I remember that white dinner jacket, uh, Tim. Oh my God. What was that? I I can't find the photo. It's somewhere on a hard drive. I got to track it down. This is so fun. Oh, it's so good. This is so crazy. So Ali, I'll tell you really quick. We, uh, we, this anxiety free zone. So if like, you can't remember somebody's name or you like, don't want to, you're like, ah, I wish I hadn't said that. We can cut anything out. So that's the first thing I always tell everybody. Secondly, uh, we like to just hang, shoot the shit for a little while. And then we, I will read a synopsis because this is a rewatch podcast. I'll like, oh, whoa, leave sight. No, cancel. There we go. I will uh, read a synopsis. And what I do, what we do is like, 
any memories you have, jump in. Tim raises his hand. He's like, we'll just jump in and talk about all the stuff we remember as I go along through the episode. It's just it's super, super easy. So that's just sort of the format. Oh. And Tim, you have a whole like official studio set up there, I can see. Yeah, right? You always look great, Tim. Tim. Yeah. Like, lighting, <laughs> like and you've got this like perfect, you did, right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, t- I took my, I took my monthly shower last night, so I oh. would be all qualified for you. Thank you. Today. Thanks so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Well, it really worked because you look especially handsome. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much for my dear friend for it. <laughs> and Allie, you too. It's so good to see. It's so good to see you. I like. It feels not that long ago, and it's probably been ten years. I think it has, has it been 10 years? I when, mean, the last time I saw you all was the musical. How long ago was that? Yeah, that would have been season seven. So uh, uh, that would have been 12, 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's nuts. Crazy. <laughs> Completely nuts. Anyway. Um, hi, Tim. Hi, Maggie. Uh, hi, Allie. Hi, Maggie. T- I'm taking my Nicorette out. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot that I had it in my mouth. You're, you're welcome to keep it in if you need it. That's See, so funny you're chewing Nicorette because one of the first times I actually met you in person, you were standing in front of your trailer smoking. Yes, I know. And that was a really long time ago. That was like 2008 or something. And I gave up cigarettes right after that. And I have not smoked since, but I am wildly addicted to the gum. Wow. For years now, <laughs> all I do is I just chew Nicorette. But, you know, we get to be our age and like any way that you could possibly get a buzz, everything falls away. So this is the <laughs> only thing I have left. <laughs> you know Maggie what? and I know nothing about trying to get a buzz. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. We, I mean, I, I have never. I, how long did our dry, dry Januaries last, Tim? 72 whole hours, Maggie. <laughs> I, mean, I, I made it to the fourth day. I at least made it to the fourth day. But... Oh, I did dry January? We did not. We tried. We attempted to drive the first couple days. Four days of January. Correct. <laughs> okay. Basically, I mean, I think we 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 started out with the greatest of intentions and and willpower, and a couple days in, because Tim and I text, we talk all the time, and a couple days in, he was like, "I think it might have to be a damp January. Doesn't have to be like <laughs> super super wet." Uh, but it's not going to be dry. <laughs> so. Actually, Maggie, I wrote a song about our experience. I, I meant to text it to you. Oh, what was the song about our experience? See if I can remember. <laughs> me, 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 me. Oh, yeah, you got it. It was a little something like, on the first days of January, we tried not to drink. And then we said, no, this stinks. <laughs> uh, there was more. There was a whole second line. I can't remember. The second I've line. never I'll, heard I'll, a more honest song or portrayal of our uh weakness um around <laughs> uh, well, I will, I'll, I'll i'll rewrite the second verse and i will uh voice sex it okay I, I need to know i really need to know more coffee in me um uh ali how have you been you said you're teaching yes i am i am continuing to teach i teach Love. at um City College campus of CUNY, so City University yes. of New York. Um, yeah. I teach. I've been teaching there since 2018. Um, amazing. I know, and that's I amazing. love it, and I love the kids. Um, so that's like my big love thing. And then I still work on books, and um, yeah. and I worked on this my show, Single Drunk Female. Oh, so right, we just did our second season. Yeah. Oh my god! Congratulations! That's right, Single Drunk yeah. Female. That's right. I was yeah. like. 
Um, that show. <laughs> it's a little close to home. It fits um, in with the theme here, doesn't it? <laughs> Why, Maggie? Why would it be close to home? <laughs> anyway, uh, congratulations. Wait, season two. Yes, we did season two, and that's going to come on in April. Oh, my gosh. Yay. Yay. So we're plugging your show, too. I'm a very bad friend. I didn't know about this. Where can I see this? Yeah. Hulu. Hulu. I don't know why. I mean. It made quite a a splash um, uh, when it premiered. And I remember, and I saw saw a couple, I believe. But now I'm going to go back and watch more. Yeah. So, Tim, you can see it. The first season's on Hulu. And then I think. They're going to put the whole second season on Hulu so you can binge watch it. I'm not sure, but I think so. Oh, cool. Awesome. And I want you to text me afterwards and tell me how much you loved it, even if you didn't. You got it. He will. (laughs) He will. And he's going to love it. He's going to love it. It's fun. It's fun. It's It's a funny show. Yeah. So we did a first Yang uh, last season with Jimmy. And we had... (laughs) We have you back for Yin, but both combined, like your performance in the show is, I feel like Yang, it, that when that trilogy began, I feel like the whole show went to another level. Really? Um, I, Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like. You are what we call a psychotic character. Yes. Psychotic. <laughs> that's our, that's our word. That's our, one of our our words on our, on our podcast, but it's true. Like, I think people would say, I mean, I, you know, there are lots of favorite episodes that float around, but I feel like in general, you know, I always say that like my favorite episodes of the, of the series were, were the yin yang uh, trilogy episodes. Cause they're just, I'm so glad. Listen, I loved working on the show, loved it. Um, but I also, I adore that character. Yeah, it's just the character that I you would just at least for me I would just just wish I could just play that character all the time because she's just inventive and anything goes yeah um, anything at all yeah and the set on Psych for you know you Psych fans who are listening is a really easygoing open set there was no preciousness about you can't improv or you know, just show up and say the lines or whatever. It wasn't like that. It was just very much an ensemble and getting to play around. And with a character like that, there's no other way for that character to work except to just try stuff. And some of it was just over the top and didn't work. And some of it did, but I felt like Yang is so out of bounds in every way Mm -hmm. that I really needed that freedom to be able to do, make that character complicated. You know? Well, Ali, one of the things yeah. that you, reasons you're so good in this character is you're, I mean, it's <clears> so you're so inventive and um, and it's so it's so um, grounded. Yeah. Where a character like this could so easily be mustache twirling. You don't right. do any yeah. of that. I mean, yeah. but I mean, it, if no. you wanted, we would have given you a fake mustache twirl. Really, but um, <laughs> Yang would have tried it. I mean, Yang tried to come off as being presenting as male, male presenting yeah. in the first episode. Yeah. But, you know, J- Yang was, you talk about fluid, fluid at all moments, all reasons. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know how you pull this off, Allie, but it's like, I'm so sad for her at the same time. This, and it, she's out of her mind and there's all so many things going on, but like the humanness that you brought to a character that like, it's so 
complicated is the word you use. That's the word I was going to use. And it's like, I don't know that it's very hard to bring complicated to something so dark. And right. so, you know, but like, I thought like I'm, it's, it, it's some, it's another level to be able, I feel like to do that. And my heart, I breaks at the same time. It is disgusted at the same time. It's confused. It's the same time. It's like, but there's that, that part, you know, that's like, that is very, very, I, I, I very, very hard to do. It just speaks to your, well, uh, she's so sorry to interrupt. She's so sad and broken. So sad and broken. And we get to see all those, all those cracks in her. Really hard to do. Yeah. It's really it's, hard to do. It's it's fun to do because um, she doesn't have any, she doesn't have a narrow lane, right? It's just really expansive. So she can swing wildly from darkness to an almost kind of malicious sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, she, like, she, she loves the James character. Okay, what's his name? Sean. Sean, yeah, yeah. Loves him. Love Sean. Do you know what I mean? And so Movies. that, um, and that, that, that set up for me in the first, uh, episode that Yang's in because she's in the car with him. Um, and there was something about, I, I think it got set up. A lot of this has to do with James, actually something about him, um, in that car scene. I'm not sure what he was doing, but he was, um, trying to relate to Yang. And I I understand his reasons were because the mothers could die at any moment, right? But trying to relate to Yang in a a way that had some kind of uh, respect in it. Mm -hmm. So not treating Yang like you're a psycho Mm -hmm. and I'm terrified of you, but just something sort of like quietly respectful. And for Yang, that was just... That was fabulous. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like what because it made the scene more fun to play. Um, and when Yang, when Yang was the Yang character was going to come back, the um, aside from all the character stuff, this kernel of you know, I know Sean. I know the Sean. Sean's character is madly in love with me. Um, something like that, mm-hmm. some kind of delusion like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just gave me something to sort of like hang my hat on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. You can feel that because yeah. Yeah. Well, she's also, I mean, in the brokenness, right? This person respects, or, or at least there is a, a shred of that that is being interpreted. So it feels like for her that that would I, I it makes total sense that that would be like a, a tiny little kernel of something that would turn into something major that he's like in love with her, that there's some kind of thing that she's holding on to there because she's so empty. Um, <laughs> and you can. John you, understands me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. understands you, you me. Said, he doesn't think I'm crazy. Huh? You said sweetness, but there, I think there's there's literally a smile in or the hint of a smile in every line you have, every scene you have, you're, you've got it's either a slight wry smile or an overt grin. Yeah. Because I was having fun. <laughs> That's what now, when yeah. you're happy to be at work. Yeah. So that brilliant, that, let me just ask you, that brilliant kernel that um, Sean is in love with Yen, or Yang, sorry. Um, did that come from you or did that come from Jamas or 
No, you know that, that came, from? came from that. Yes, that came from. It's nothing that's in the script and it's nothing that was, I don't think, conscious that James was doing. It was just that that first scene, that one episode, we are sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. And instead of, I already had Yang sort of kicking around inside me, this person who Yang is, and it was not some kind of farcical villain at all. But the fact that um, he was sitting there treating me, Yang, with a kind of, I don't want to say delicacy, but um, a sort of tactful, respectful sort of something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this long monologue in the middle of that thing. He just sat, he was just sat there so listening bad. respectfully. It was nothing James did that was like, oh my God, you're a psycho at right. all. Right. And so I thought, I mean, imagine who would be dealing with Yang at all. Would Anybody who would be dealing with that character would be terrified, right? But he didn't do that. So I felt like, I know this isn't the truth, but I, as Yang, felt like, oh, he really likes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it's, it's set up, it's staged kind of like a first date. The, you're sitting in the car and driving. 100%. And it's very connected. The scene, I mean, you guys are so good together anyway, but like there is a chemistry. There yeah. is a chemistry between your characters. Like Absolutely. there's no question. So yeah. this is wild, fascinating, because I can see it all. Now that you're saying this, I'm like, oh my God. That's- yes, Yang has two in her mind only. Sure. Paramours. In, in her life, two, two Lotharios in her life. One is Sean and the other one is Jimmy's character. Yeah. Right. So there are these two, you know, her favorite people in the world. And she's convinced that they are both madly in love with her because she's an insane narcissist. Yeah. Also. So yeah. having those two. Um, well, Mary it, is it, obsessed with her. Whole thing, huh? Mary is obsessed with her. Yes. I mean, yes. you know, my Mary, right? You're Mary. Mary. Yeah. yeah. Like a hundred percent. Let's face it. Our underarms are the only place we have odor. That's why I'm here to tell you about Lumi whole body deodorant for bits, privates, and beyond. Lumi was created by an OBGYN. So she developed Lumi, a uniquely formulated pH balanced deodorant. It's aluminum-free, skin-safe, and clinically proven to control odor for up to 72 hours. I'm sure you're asking yourself, what makes Lumi different than other deodorants? Easy. This is the first of its kind. Lumi is a deodorant, seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Pits, under boobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, feet, anything. Literally. Clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. How? Unlike some deodorants, they try to mask odor with fragrance. Lumi is formulated and powdered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a, you know, pre-odorant. The best part, you can choose from a variety of fresh, bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code pineapple at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code pineapple. To get $5 off a Lumi starter pack, check out lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant.com. 
That Inside Alley has already made this one of the greatest episodes we've ever done. 100%. So I, <laughs> I'm literally just that like, was amazing. this no, is, I mean, I'm serious. I'm riveted myself. So like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, the psychos are going to go crazy for this episode. But like, I, this is. Abs- psychos crazy. I see what you did there. Oh, the psychos. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, the psychos going crazy. Um, you know, Allie, Allie, a, psychos, uh, those are psych fans. They just, yes, yeah. okay. I know. Got it. I am. I'm up on the lingo. I yes. like to re-clarify so sometimes just because I feel like that is a, a, a tricky word. So I always want to make sure everyone understands it's a, it's a term of endearment. Yeah. <laughs> and Allie, there's normally a, a question that we always ask. Well, not always normally we mm. always ask every guest, but I think I almost don't need to ask because you've already done it. Yeah. But, um, amazing Ali Sheedy. Are you right now ready to help Maggie and I podcast the shit out of it? Yes. <laughs> She's like, I knew you were. Cause what do you think it wasn't even doing already. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Allie, this is, this is great. Um, I have questions. So did you know, James Dulay? did you know anyone before? Did James just reach out to you and, and say, how, how did it come to you again? I didn't know anybody we, on no, the how show How the hell before. did we get you? Is that how the hell did no we question. get you? Like, this would have been our dream. You're like dream, a uh, top of list casting for us. Like, how did, how'd that happen? <laughs> okay. I think that it was James Rodez idea because mm-hmm. he had this thing about getting everybody from the breakfast club onto the show. Yes. Right? And so that, I think it wasn't, oh my God, Ellie. I think it was sort of like, Hmm. Who in the breakfast? <laughs> I think that was a part of it. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Till, you know, I, I got to know him um, much later on, but I, that script came along and I read it and thought, oh, I love this character. This yeah. would be so much fun. And I only thought it would be that one episode, but I just, that scene is just such a great scene. And that monologue is great. And the, the whole thing about Yang just, I just thought, oh yeah, you know what? I really do want to go and do this, and let's yeah. just see what happens. Well, how it was is magic. this character gonna gonna develop, and who is this? You know, I just wanted to do that scene. Yeah, I don't know that it was a hundred percent certain that we were gonna do multiple episodes, but because that episode turned be, became what it did, I mean, psychotic, psychotic. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like we have to revisit these characters. We have to keep telling this story. We have to, I mean, it was, it was, it, it, again, I really feel like it was a turning point in the whole series for, for us. Yeah. So, 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 so glad. Yeah. Well, shall I'm we dive so- in? And then if anybody, um, just stop me. And if you, uh, remember something, have a great memory of a scene or anything. I mean, I know for Tim and I, this is one of our, uh, uh favorite episodes for our, our characters as well. I feel like we, we have huge such a moment in the end. I, full on cried, like not just like, Oh wow. This sentimental. I love these scenes. I love this episode. I texted you last night and said, I, like I'm weeping. I cried this. Yeah. No, I did too. I got text you last night. And it's like, this scene wrecked me. We'll, we'll get to that one. Completely wrecked me too. Completely wrecked me. This also, this episode with the Hitchcock theme and all of the references and the shots. Like I, I get, it's so special. It's just anyway. So, and, um, okay. So episode 16, we've been waiting for this one. Yes, Tim. Okay. Before we dive into yeah. the, uh, the weeds of the episode, say so I have a very special, um, six psych degrees of separation with, with Allie. 
Where, tell. I mentioned it in uh, in Yang, but I'll tell again now that she's here with us and she can be with us for Yang. So Ali and I were both uh, both at different times with the USC School of Theater. And I had the same drama teacher, freshman actor Louis Pidet. Yes. And Ali, I don't know if you know, but Ali, there was a moment like my freshman, like my first week of class, we're sitting, we're sitting in the Bing Theater and she referenced you and you were by then, you know, a huge movie star. So all of us just got a little, a Twitter that <laughs> we're in the same, we're being taught by the same teacher that taught Ali Sheedy. And she get, she gave this reference about you being so great and just how you were on stage in a play and just the mm. moment of like a moment of stillness and how, um, just a moment of being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to move your leg, you just, you just move your leg. You wouldn't think about it. You're just being so like almost out of body and just natural. Oh, amazing. And That's we all, so cool. I, mean, I certainly, t- but I certainly took this. I, I talk with Louie, with Louie quite often. I think really? she's talking about, I, you know, I did a lot of roles in, on stage there at USC where I was just abominable. Okay. So I think she's <laughs> talking about one, I think it's Electra. Mm. Not sure. Very cool. I think there was some, it was a Greek something or other. Mm-hmm. That's the one I think she's talking about. And why? Because I got to that, that character is like psych, psycho. Okay, there you go. I'm in the theme here. <laughs> that was a crazy, crazy, it was a little one act. And it was, I think it was Electra and her brother. And they're in love with each other. And it was like dark. And, and um, they just let me do my thing. Instead of it being, you know, we're doing Shakespeare, we're doing Williams, you know what I mean? It was just sort of a throw, throw the spaghetti against the wall kind of thing. And so I felt, I'm sure that's what she's talking about, because that was the only time I really felt free on stage at USC. And I think she has to be referencing that, because I know there were so many bad performances at USC. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Tim, it's true. Well, she didn't bring up, she didn't bring up the bad ones. Yeah, Thank the you. Fact that- <laughs> Like it's so, so when I did meet you out in front of the, uh, trailers that day, um, mm-hmm. for the, um, it was the, um, it was that night shoot, mm-hmm. the drive-in movie theater is when you and I first met. I was very excited to, and it felt very full circle that just, I mean, a few years after me getting out of theater school, I'm on set mm-hmm. and I'm with, with you. It was really, um, it was really an incredible moment. And there was a second moment that you has, as a dear friend and incredible person so I, ali was with is with the agency that i was trying to get with and put in a very good word with um with this agency that that they should sign me yep oh that's so nice but of course well um, i mean they're lucky you know what i'm saying uh, you're very kind no, you could have you could have you could have totally sandbagged me didn't you oh, put in that great word with, with the, why would i have done such a thing <laughs> This is uh, this is so this is so beautiful. That's a great psych degrees of separation. I love yeah. this. Yeah. All right. Episode sixteen. Mister Yin presents. Written by James Roday Rodriguez and Andy Berman. Oh, directed by James Roday Rodriguez. Directed. Talk so, about magic combination right there. I mean, honestly, like I I I would get I was giddy. Anytime. I mean, I love all of uh, Rodriguez's scripts. I love all of Berman's scripts, but when they were together, oh, so good. Um, and, and the way, I mean, James directed the shit out of this with yeah, all of did. the, all of the Hitchcock, 
shots and oh, it was it, it was something of something else. And the emotion is so good. Okay, pineapple siding. Did you get it, Tim? I love that you asked me because you know I don't even bother. I'm okay, so, okay. I didn't, I'm always so entertained watching the episode. I don't bother. I can't find the episode. It's I can't a scene we're in. I didn't get it either. There's a pineapple on the top of the fountain by the staircase used by Lasseter and Juliet. Oh, in the chase scene. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't, have a question about the pineapples. Yes. Ask. Okay, so you have a hidden pineapple in every episode? Is yes. That the deal? Yeah. So... When I'm, if I'm watching sometimes like the news or something like that, once in a while, somebody will come on and have a pineapple behind them. Is that a psych reference? <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. That? <laughs> on MSNBC, these people come on and they have, um, who is it? David Pluff. Hello. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. The David, first one they David Pluff. To like and he's make always got a, a pineapple? Always. Okay. Always. So I don't know. I I want to say, I mean, of course I want to be like, yes, it's a psych reference. Um, but I, but I also know, cause recently, um, a friend of mine, um, got a new house and someone brought a pineapple as a housewarming gift with another gift, but it was like, because it is supposed to bless, it is supposed to be good luck for a new home, I believe, which I didn't know. <laughs> So I think there is something kind of magical in the pineapple anyway, but I'm going to go with anytime you see it on TV ever, it's a psych reference. <laughs> you figure Obama's kids were, are the age of, they must have been psych fans. Yeah, right? I'm going to go with that. So I'm sure. I'm, I'm, go I'm just, I am just telling you, I might be wrong, but if I'm right, how great is that? That is, I'm investigating after we get off this podcast. Do it, do I has got some ties who could probably invest find this out, doesn't he? Um, Who? Dulé. Yeah. Then Dulé, I think Dulé did some campaigning for him yeah. early on. We're finding Ask out. Ask Dulé. Um, I have to no. I say, for just so Steve Franks does not get angry, he's always said that the pineapple is the, uh, I believe it's the international welcome fruit. That's what, it, that's it. It's like, well, it, it is welcome, I believe. That is supposed to be the housewarming thing too, that a welcoming could home. That be what this pineapple is behind his head. Yeah. Every time he comes on MSNBC. But, you know, who knows? Um, I love it. He he's a he's a secret psych fan. Okay, all right. <laughs> Cold open. It's 1989. Young Sean and Henry chat in their car outside of a screening for The Little Mermaid. When Henry dies, drives off, Sean looks toward the movie theater again with a sign saying Hitchcock Festival. We all know which movie he's actually there to see. Cut to present day. Sean arrives late to meet Gus at a screening of Psycho and has to squeeze through other theater goers to take his seat. Yes, Tim. Um, also, the rain that's coming down <gasps> on Henry's truck. Uh -huh. So real. So that's an example of a working in Vancouver, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I noticed that too. I totally clocked the rain. Totally did. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you guys, but I always think it's nice kind of discover something new uh, about ourselves that maybe we didn't we didn't know. Recently, I feel I have really fallen in love with cooking. It's just kind of something I thought about doing in uh, my downtime during all of the pandemic. And I still wanted to like be creative and, and create something. And cooking has become a really cool part of my life that way. It puts me in a good mood now. It actually is like an activity I can do to put me in a good mood when I'm down. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we are always growing and changing, always. 
Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I feel like the beautiful thing about therapy is it really helps you fortify your relationship with yourself, which is your most important relationship. And I think that fortifying that relationship can uh, benefit every relationship in your life. Getting to know yourself really helps you take better care of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pineapple today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pineapple. On their way out of the theater, they are surprised to run into Mary Lightly holding his umbrella in only a way Mary could. Yeah, we have to say, even how Jimmy's holding the umbrella like this is um, it's so hilarious. Good. That's it's... just Jimmy's, Jimmy's such a genius. Jimmy. Yes so good in this. He wants to, uh, he takes them to a diner where they discuss Yang's new book that has just been released, uh, from serial dater to serial killer. <laughs> the photo on this book too. Ugh, yes, Tim. Insider insight. Yeah. The, uh, the waitress who says, here's your milk, sweet, sweetheart. Yes, I wrote that down. Is played by our dear Beverly Turner, your stand-in, our dear friend, spouse of our amazing pal, Chris Turner, we always talk about, who will play a very important part in this, in this episode When later. we get that to, to that later. I call, I saw that too. I was like, oh, Beverly. So Beverly and Chris are a couple, and they were also uh, James and I stand-in on the show for the entire run of the show and the movies. So it was very fun to see Beverly in a um, in a role. I forgot. I forgot. I was like, oh, my God. And then... Ugh. Um, okay, Mary points out. Spoiler that, alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Mary points out, according to the book, Yang could not have been working alone. She must have had an accomplice. But Sean and Gus don't buy it and leave the diner and the Yang case behind. Back at the office, Sean rereads the book again, lulling him into a slumber until a call wakes him up. Then Sean, Gus, and Chief Vic. I already have chills. I literally already have chills. Walk to the crime scene where the waitress from the diner earlier has been murdered and her body arranged into a yin-yang symbol. The boys know it's only just begun. That shot, like, I remember the day that we did it. I remember, like, reading it in the script and thinking, oh, this is going to be really something if we can pull it off, and boy, did we ever. I remember seeing James, I think that was maybe my first day of this episode, and watching him direct that, direct the shit out of that. It was such, I thought, such an incredible visual. Anyway, okay, Sean, Gus, and the cops meet Mary back at the diner, and while Sean stands atop a table, he notices, yes, Tim. Oh, so, we gotta, so to the crime scene when we when uh, everyone arrives with, oh, yes. with uh, Chief Vic? Yes. The Vic's there, in, in, but what's really important is what's not going on. I know. There's no popped Karen. No, there's no, no. Oh, my God, she hates, she's going to hate us. Didn't we say it was the popped Vic? Or did I can't, she, I can't, no, wait, I, I writing, think she vetoed I my notes. that. I'm pretty sure she vetoed that. Um, Allie, we, uh, make a lot of wardrobe references on the show and, um, uh, Kirsten always has a very big popped collar on her, uh, suits. Uh -huh. so we, she was on the last episode and we asked her if she approved of any of the names, the popped Karen, 
or the popped Vic for the popped collar. <laughs> it's that. And I think she nixed both, but let's, uh, we're going to, I think, I don't know. I don't even know if popped Karen, I don't know if either work, but okay, there it is. You know what works? I'm doing a popped, I'm doing a, popped, I'm doing a popped Vic right now. The pop Sternbush. That's what works. The pop Sternbush. Pop Sternbush. Oh, Tim. Yes. Yeah, something extra for the Patreon viewers. Given the, given the fans what they want. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, Sean, Gus, and the cops meet Mary back at the diner. And while Sean stands atop a table, he notices a yin-yang symbol on a pie that has a crossword clue inside of it, daring them to find me. By the way, good job, Sage Brocklebank. Good job, McNabb, so solving that. Oh, <laughs> the best part is that McNabb um, solved the first clue. Yes. But since we referenced uh, Pearson's wardrobe, of course, I have to reference your wardrobe. Yes. What am I, I wearing? Oh. You're, you're, you're back in your British racing green we haven't British seen the racing green sweater and brown from season one on Un unusual colors, which I thought was great. I was like, Oh, we're, we're coming over to the dark side already in this episode. I then like when it. we're in the cafe. Yeah. I remember being in the cafe and James striking his captain Morgan pose oh, yeah. on, the, on table. the table. I remember this. Just, like that's, that's an example of work with James Rodriguez. <laughs> Go up to set and he's like standing on a table, just as captain Morgan. Cause yeah. why not? Well, that's <laughs> how he's getting his psychic vision, you know? Um, Okay, McNab solves the first clue. Sean says he doesn't want to play Yang's game, so they're just going to uh, to go to the source itself. Decked out in marshmallow suits, Sean, Gus, and Mary visit Yang in her mental institution. <laughs> Yang mentions the prison doesn't allow doesn't allow conjugal visits, <laughs> but her and Sean would have that her and Sean would have to get married See? first. See? It's so good. Okay, luckily, uh, Mary is an ordained minister. It's everyone, everyone. Oh, this was all actually. Because yeah, Yang says, but I think we have to get married first. Yeah, right. we have to get married this first. Is, yeah. See, it all fits. It all fits. It all fits. And it's also, uh, it's also very interesting to like go back now knowing that where we go in the suspicion of Mary and how well Jimmy played all of this to be just suspicious enough um, that it, it, you know, you can kind of flash back and be like, of course he was working with her and then also completely innocent, um, and just complete and obsessed, but yeah, he's an ordained minister. Okay. Anyway, back to the point. Or yes, Tim. Or we're still in the cell. There's a psychic, a great psychic premonition here. What's that? What? When Ali asked if you liked my book, he says, I liked Bruce Campbell's better. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Flash for two, season eight, Bruce Campbell coming and guest starring on our show. The amazing, wonderful Bruce Campbell. Also, Ali, your face Please when he find. says he liked Bruce Campbell's book better. Oh, cool. no, that's not going to fly. No, mm -mm. It, it's so, mm -mm. it's such, it's a perfect I can't see it. Is this, am I actually in the cell and they're outside? Yeah. All yeah, right. it's got that with plexiglass. The, do I have on. the beach ball? Yeah, but I that's don't know later. that we're playing with the beach ball yet. Okay. This is the first bit where we approach you and you're kind of in the, in the, like, see the, that little, like, position with your knee, knees up and then you guys are, like, talking and then, yeah, Bruce, the Bruce Campbell reference is made. And the look on your face when he says he liked Bruce Campbell's book better is. Uh, yeah, that doesn't fly. No, it does not. Somewhere I have some amazing pictures of you in this cell. I've got to find it. I don't know. Yeah. What, I mean, I must have snuck on. I'm not on the scene, so I must have snuck on a set that day. Yeah. But I, I'll track them down. I have great photos of you in the cell. I'll get it. I'll have to track them down on one of my. Oh, cool. So you think maybe tonight. you were in the set that day. I don't know. I think I just snuck in to watch you probably sweetheart. Yeah. Um, all right. Yang tells them that she did have a partner and that Yin is far worse than she is. The gang then arrive back at the movie theater to retrace their steps. 
Sean remembers the crossroad puzzle, 12 down, six across. That means the killer was in the same row as them. I have to give huge uh, props to uh, James and Andy, too, for coming up with these riddles, these the crossword links to the Hitchcock stuff. Like, this is not, this is some genius stuff. Anyway, Sean remembers squeezing through the row, but not the face of the person sitting in the seat. Then Juliet finds a taunting note under the seat. Mary claims that Yin is acting alone now, that Yin is acting alone now, and being uh, the opposite of Yang has no rules. Gus suggests going with the Hitchcock theme and reviewing all of his movies. They all split up, and Sean falls asleep in the middle of his film. In his dream, Henry plays the ticket collector, and Juliet is is from the shower scene in Psycho. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Uh, right. That's when Sean remembers the person in the theater seat was Mary. So he must be Yen. Um, also, Tim, I think yours was my favorite of all of the uh, of all the flashback or all the the dream the cameos. When you come into that light, it's so creepy. When I come in his mother, um, yeah, it's good. Um, okay, okay. It's like that's so I'm just someone's like it's in, a, in, a, in an old woman wig and a dress holding oh, a knife. Sure, perfect. But some of it all felt so right and normal. It was. You were very at ease in the role. Um, psych degree of a psych premonition to me playing mother. We're going to post. On, I'm going to post on the socials the pictures I sent you this morning, Maggie. Oh, there was a day when I was. I've, I have a photo which you'll see soon, all of you. I was working the universe a lot and had a really long lunch, and just went for a wander like you do because why not? And I walked to the psycho house. Oh, wow. And I recreated the, the famous Abby Annie Leibowitz picture of Tom Hanks and took a picture of me in front of him, sitting on the steps in front of the psycho. So then not only it wasn't enough for me to just take a picture of the psycho house, I went into the, I waited for a tour, a tour uh, tram to pass by, went into the psycho house, which was open. By the way, if uh, uh, Universal Legal, this is maybe or maybe not true. Right. <laughs> went into the psycho, got into the psycho house, which is the facade, and you could still walk. You could go up, the, went up, there's a, a, there's a staircase. Like, obviously, I'm going up the stairs. And you hear a creaking. Go up the stairs, and there's a room where they have set up a mannequin of an old woman in the wig. So mother's sitting there <gasps> in, a, in a rocking chair, and they make the rocking chair go. So, it, it, wait till you see these as pictures. As the tours go by, the, uh, you see the shadow of, of a, someone in the window rocking. It's oh my god! So that's so great pictures of, of chilling inside inside the, the skeletal frame of the psycho house. It's so chilling. It's so chilling. I can't wait to show those pictures. Okay, Sean tells the police his theory and suggests they keep Mary close and let him incriminate himself. So when Mary shows up with a new note from Yin that was left on his doorstep, they agree to follow the Hitchcockian clues to a fountain in a park. Mary reads the note and Lasseter says they're all ears. That's when Mary taunts back with one of the greatest lines in the series. <laughs> Ever. One of my absolute favorites. <laughs> you really are all ears, he says. <laughs> yeah, but his, so when you watch, when you rewatch it, and I, I laugh at this because a, it's funny, but I am genuinely laughing at at Jimmy the way Jimmy says this line. You can see the nostrils start to flare. In I was looking very closely. You're keep, <laughs> barely keeping it together, Tim. It's so good. I don't even try and I don't make any pretense of not laughing in the scene. I literally just laugh. Like Carlton smiles and laughs. Yeah. Yeah. The gang then splits up and heads to the new location from the note Mary received. But Sean and Gus take a detour first to Mary's house where they find proof he was in the theater and has a closet full of Yang information. They also find an unlimited amount of sardine cans and the rat from the first Yin Yang episode. He eats eats the sardines. Yeah, he loves those sardines. 
At the park, Lassiter, Juliet, and Mary run around searching for clues. Well, Lassiter is running, except uh, he's running away from a toy plane controlled by some kid, which is uh, North. Go ahead. So this is the Cary Grant North by Northwest reference. Yeah. yeah. Again, when you rewatch it, I, it's very important you note that I rewatched this sequence dozens of times because I wanted to mimic Cary Grant's physicality perfectly. You do. Like You're his, the leg his, his arms up. are very stiff. Yeah. His arms are very stiff. And then when he falls, his, his legs <laughs> go completely vertical. Yeah. So it was really important that I match whatever the stunt performer was. Yeah. Was even So like if, if when, when one of the psychos hopefully takes that Kerrigan sequence and puts it right next to our, our version of it. Yeah. Like at one point I even, I flipped my tie. I wanted the tie to go over <laughs> the right shoulder. And it, it wasn't going as I, I think I started off with it over my left shoulder. It wasn't going to the right spot. So as I'm running, I literally, you can see me move my, flip my tie over the oh. correct shoulder. So it would match Kerry's. It's so perfect. That shot is is perfect from the plane coming, cutting to you, hitting the thing, the leg going up, the tie. It's mm, so much fun. So like, those are the, like, the fun details of this show. Yeah. The gang then climb the stairs to the fountain, but Mary lags behind because, of course, his ankle weights. Juliet realizes <laughs> they're looking for a bus just as Lassiter notices Mary is gone. They see Yin in a fedora, tip his hat to them and get on the bus. Lassiter puts in a call to stop the bus. Back in Mary's place, Sean finds a notebook that seems to have rough drafts of Yin's next clue. Lassiter and Juliet get back into their car and find Mary waiting. He says he tried to catch the bus, but couldn't. Juliet, Sean, and Gus stake out the location referenced in the first draft. Yes, Tim. Um, Jimmy's, the way Jimmy delivers the line, as I throw him against the, um, the <laughs> car. <laughs> You really manhandled me. Well, you really manhandled me there. Yeah. He's laughing out loud as I'm watching. And he's very turned on at the same time. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Mary arrives on his motorcycle. Lasseter and Juliet circle the building as Sean and Gus enter into a sound studio to find surveillance monitors of a staircase. They watch Mary enter the frame and climb the stairs, just like Martin Balsam in Psycho. Mary talks to the camera saying, come out, come out, wherever you are. Then the guys get locked in. Sean realizes too late they have it wrong, and Mary isn't Yin. He's actually the victim this time. That's when Mary is helplessly stabbed. The boys rush to Mary, who says the rough drafts were really recreations, and he came here alone in an effort to be heroic. Sean and Gus look up to yeah. see Yin. Yeah. Yeah, the brilliance of, Rod- of Rodriguez here. Yeah. Mim- mirroring those um, Hitchcock shots is so good. I mean, like, when Jimmy's falling back, and after he's been like stabbed and I mean, it's a uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. That's from what vertigo. That one's from vertigo or is that from, I think, no, I think it's from psycho. That is from psycho. From psycho. Okay. Yeah. It's when, it's when he goes up the stairs and then mother kills him. Yeah. And then and he, the falls he falls back. back oh, he falls back. Arms. I was thinking of a different shot in vertigo. That's right. Okay. Sean and Gus look up to see Yin standing in the shadows as Mary dies in their arms, asking if they have racquetball in heaven. Back in their marshmallow outfits, Sean and Gus visit Yang, complaining that her partner wore ankle weights to throw Sean off on purpose. She replies back, I know, such a shame. Then Spencer demands for help, and she tells them to look in her book. This, I believe, is where we meet Reginald, the red ball. (laughs) Who is your... Yes, yes. (laughs) Did you give the ball that name? No, I think Reginald was in the script. I think. Okay. That's a very James thing, isn't it? I, yeah. think, I think Reginald I, I was think an Reg- imaginary person. Huh? Oh, is there an imaginary think, person, Tim? 
Yeah, I'm talking to somebody named Reginald. I can't remember if I re- if I refer to the ball as Reginald or not, oh. but I'm sure that's a James thing. Yeah. Oh, no, because um, you're hitting the ball at something. You're like, stop it, Reginald. Right. So it's like the ball is like, okay, yeah. you're playing with somebody who's a manager. That's right. Okay. So here's something interesting. I'm trying to remember if I have this right or not. Originally, the first draft of the script, um, James had... I think he had Yang like bouncing off the walls. Like it was like a bungee cord or something like that. I can't remember. And I thought that would be really fun. But then there was, I think I'm right about this. That there was, they couldn't figure out how to work that um, particular thing. So then the ball became really important. And I can't remember. um, I tend to think that I just got to go a little wild with the props at that point because I had really great, that ball was like, just juicy. I mean, you have to do something with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So lie on it or play with it or whatever. The na- the Reginald person talking to the Reginald person is definitely a James thing. Okay. But the but hitting the ball around, I think I got to I think I got to have fun with that. I uh, think so. You definitely had fun with it. It was it's uh, one of the best moments I think uh, in in their visits to see you. Oh, it's so good. I know. Such a shame. You say. Uh, okay. Sean I would Hol- also I have to say one more thing. About yeah. It. I, I really had trouble keeping a straight face about delay in that, in that suit. <laughs> I just, I, there, I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was just, there was just something about him. You know, he's got this sort of like physical elegance to him. Yes. And I, I think he didn't like the suit, but it was just, he just looked like. It's also you there was like, like there was kind of there was a hoodie to it, so it's just kind of like over here. There's a great line when, when they first go into the earlier scene where they walk in, and the guard says she's stimulated by color. And Delay goes, "What about my face?" Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Oh right, my right. god, oh, oh. that's very funny. <laughs> I'm never gonna see those scenes the same way now because I'm just gonna be looking at or thinking about Delay in that suit. That's very oh so funny, very so, funny, so funny. Yeah. There's no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to hair care, and that's because your hair and your hair goals are completely unique. I, for one, am always looking for shinier and less frizzy hair, and thanks to my personalized pros routine, I can honestly say I've never been more in love with my hair. I really have noticed a difference. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it's personal. Using natural ingredients with proven results, pros customizes every product in your routine from shampoo to supplements. First, Pro starts by asking about my hair goals, like, do you want more volume? Less frizz? No more tangles? Then their in-depth consultation also asks about you as a person. Pros ask me really unexpected things like where I live, my zip code, what I eat and drink on a typical day, how much heat I use on my hair, and how often I exercise. Next, Pros analyzed all of my answers and handpicked clean ingredients to help me reach my hair goals. My favorite product at the moment is their custom leave-in conditioner. This cream leaves my hair detangled and it smooths all the flyaways all day long. It's also super lightweight. One of the things I've never really loved about leave-in conditioners, even though I need them, is that uh, it kind of weighs your hair down. It kind of feels heavy and like oily. This is not that. I'm such a fan. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced ethically gathered and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've ever had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is seriously the best shampoo and conditioner I have ever used, and I have used a lot. From keratin treatments 
to anti-frizz all kinds of brands, all kinds of salons. Pros has not only proved to reduce frizziness, increase shine and volume, and leave my hair less greasy for more days, it's right away. It does it right away. Pros is the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash pineapple. That's pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pineapple for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. I also have to add in because I am a sucker for really cute packaging. The packaging of pros is adorable. I love it in my shower, on my countertop, whatever. It is really well done. So just throwing that in as well. Um, Okay. Sean holds the book up to the light and sees a stick figure of a girl with a note for Sean. Sean gets a call from Chief Fick who tells them Yin sent another clue. At the station, Chief Fick tells them Yin has cast them as archetypal characters from numerous Hitchcock films. Yin has given them locations Uh, where they are to play their parts, including Henry as well. That night, they all participate in their Hitchcock reenactments. There's something very, very fun about this, this moment of us being cast in these archetypes. What's there's little, there's sort of nods in wardrobe and like you in that, um, in that uh, white turtleneck was so good. That was a Kim Novak. That was a choice. That was a, we discussed. Yeah, it was definitely a hardcore choice. And then um, I remember Adina and I talking really about like, give me sort of like a a 1950s um, or more of a more 40s. My, my hair has finally gone, gone back to, um, from my season four buzz cut, it's finally getting back into season one length. Yeah. So they could actually, Dina gave me like this really severe uh, 1940s part. So I could like Rod Taylor. You look great. It looks great. You look great. Also. We all look great. Everybody does. And I, I, and, uh. You uh, and I look the most great. We look the most great. Um, James's, uh, Jimmy Stewart impression when he's saying so like, good. so good. When he notices the, uh. The, uh, the chair. Wheelchair in the, in the yeah. Board. When Jimmy arrives on the Vespa, before we go into that, that chair, Oh, yeah. We're all standing outside the door trying to figure out how to get in. This is really for the rewatch, folks. You're, there's a, you're standing against the wall, and there's a mural behind you that's, that's all birds. I didn't even Hitch catch Cockian. that. I didn't even catch ah, that. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, it's like, it's like a oh, bunch of crows on the, the line. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Didn't even catch that. Look. I'm this is, still, this why, this after why, all this time. I mean, as good as you are, Maggie, <laughs> you still need a co-host. I still need a co-host. I do. I miss everything. Baldur Dash, you don't need a co-host. Yes, I do. Um, okay, then. Okay, Sean. So video gives play. Sean goes to his place, which is a wheelchair on the second floor of the building, rear window. Uh, Gus, Gus heads to the door. Juliet heads to the restaurant. As Just as she heads in alone, the car doors lock and loud music plays. Gus follows Juliet in as she finds a clue. Uh, she pours herself a drink, but falls through the trap door, losing her gun in the fall. That's when Gus jumps in after her, but it's too late. Yin already kidnapped Juliet. Back at the police station, Sean blames himself for all of this. Lassiter asks if Sean knows where his friends and family are. Henry and Madeline are accounted for, but Abigail was supposed to be arriving from Uganda that day. The cops decide to send Buzz, but as he arrives at the airport to pick her up, he is knocked out by Yin, who kidnaps Abigail too. At the station, Sean is defeated. Uh, Not even bugles from the vending machine can help. That's when he gets a call from Juliet's phone with the next clue. Yin has Juliet tied up and gagged, dangling from a clock tower, and the cops figure out uh, where she is just as Sean realizes the picture in the book is a clue to Abigail's location. Chief Vic won't let Henry come to the crime scene since he's a civilian, and that's when he decides to take the job she offered him from a few episodes earlier. Whoa. 
That's big news. Do we ever go back to Henry being in later seasons? I don't think we ever mentioned, reference it again, that he's now a part of the SPPD again. No, we do not. I really don't think we do. Just let that, just let that bump like Movie go. magic just goes away. So Gus, Lasseter, and Vic rush to save Juliet as Sean and Henry go after Abigail. Sean arrives at the pier to find Yin still there, but Sean realizes in order to save Abigail, he must let Yin run off. Yes, Tim. Oh, I know what you're So gonna... speaking of Yin. Yeah. We need to shout out that Yin is played by our dear Chris Turner. Yes. Who we said earlier who... was married to Beverly, who was the waitress in the, um, in the diner and also, uh, Rodriguez's stand-in for the whole run of the show and all of the movies. And also my stand as well. So, but, and yours. Um, Wait. Yeah, so we had, so oh, yeah. Chris, uh, we rubbed Chris into playing this character so people are not doing eyeline, eyelines. I think he actually did dialogue too. Like, I remember Chris working very hard holding sides and reading dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was intense. He was so good. So you would have someone scary hanging over you while you're being tied up and I was so happy it was Chris, though, who was up there because I was very scared. We'll get to this in a second. Using Henry's knife, he saves Abigail by cutting her free. Uh, Gus and Lasseter arrive at the top of the clock tower, and Lassie uses his gun to stop the clock tower from moving. This was, uh, I think, one of the fan questions is about this, so I can talk about it. I am actually strapped to the top of a clock tower in downtown Vancouver um, during this scene. So it was, uh, it was not, none of that is green screen, even the, how far high, high up when you look down, like all of that, it was so crazy. And they were like, Except, and I got to say tipping over tipping, tipping forward. Yeah. So the, the chair was at an angle kind of like this and I'm completely strapped down and have the little gag on. And then Byron, who was, so Dan Shea, who was our stunt, stunt person, who was our stunt coordinator, who was like, so wonderful through this process because this was this was just one of those things you just have to kind of like take the awareness of everything out of it and just be like okay where do i need to go what do i need to do safety only and but i remember the sun was setting like as i was getting into the position it was actually really really beautiful and i was like so where's the mat gonna be god forbid anything (laughs) And yeah, they, the two foot thick mat basically it's like a mattress it's it's a mattress right and they were like oh byron has it and i looked down and byron's two stories down <laughs> he's not right there <laughs> to this day i did i did i read this and i was like so who's this is gonna be crazy for a like a stunt person to have to do and james was like huh. no you're doing it because we have to we have to get your shot and i did i had to do it in order to get the shots but uh then I was You're like, are you angry with me? Are you mad at me? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> and I, I, it turned out so great. It was really something. So, um, okay, Sean calls Gus to see what happened. And Gus tells him that they got uh, got her and she's safe. Then Sean and Abigail have a heart-to-heart at the crime scene where Abigail tells Sean his life is too crazy for her and she's not cut out for it. Sean apologizes to, uh, and Abigail says to call her if he ever decides to stop chasing psychopaths. Then Juliet and Lasseter yell at the clock tower and Juliet has a breakdown sobbing into his arms, which I, I can't talk okay, about this thing too much, on. but obviously this is a, a mo- I, I have a hard time even talking about the moment. It was so emotional for us. So um, as Lasseter shows up, O'Hara is um, being debriefed by somebody and getting agitated. And the way Lasseter kind of takes this guy by the shoulders, and like almost lifts him up and moves him out of the way to get him the F away from his partner. And oh, prior to this, it is one of my favorite lines that Lasseter ever delivers. 
when uh, Vic is kind of strip giving us her assignments. Oh, yeah. And tells me to, I'm supposed to go after Abigail. And I said, I'm going to go get my partner now. And just, yeah. it, it just, it was just so ground. It was just, I love that line so much. It just says, it was like, it's like, I'm going to get my partner now. But it was like everything I needed to then fuel the rest of that scene. Yeah. So I, then when I do show up, it's like, it's, he's just all about taking care of O'Hara. Yeah, it's true. Truly. And his gun saves the day. Yeah, because he throws. His yeah, gun. when when he gives up his baby and shoves into the gears of the <laughs> clock to um, yeah, to, yeah, um, the mechanic, the-, the mechanics of the clock. Uh, that that this was so insane because I believe we we actually shot this at sunset, even though it is sunrise in the um in the script. And I remember, um, well, I'll read the rest of this ending here because this song that plays throughout was really powerful. Uh, Juliet, was- huh? No, go ahead. I was just about to reference the song. Yeah, but yeah. Go ahead. Henry decides to clean off the graffiti on the psych office window, and Sean and Gus hold a mini funeral for Mary wearing racquetball uniforms. Um, then we watch as Yang sits alone, punched in a ball. <sighs> Man, <laughs> okay, it's such I, so I, you, powerful. I need to go back a little bit. So, um, as this song is playing, can we talk about the song? Yes, let's talk about the song. So James was playing. So it's Band of Horses. I go to the barn because I like, right? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. I go to the band so, because um, the barn And James is like. playing the song for us while we're doing this. And if you listen to the words of the song, it, it already is very um, <clears throat> emotional. And I love that he, I mean, he has such a library of music just in his head at all times anyway. And the fact that he landed on this one uh, for this ending and the way he did it, like, again, he would play the music. Like, I remember we were up there on the clock tower and he had a speaker all arranged so that we could actually feel the, the song and the power of that as we did the scene, which I think made a huge difference. I'm just going to go back as soon as you finish the synopsis. But um, Well, we have fan questions that are also dealing with the clock tower. So we have plenty of uh, okay. reference. Um Okay, elsewhere, Yin, with his back to the camera, takes off his mask and places it next to a picture of Yang standing next to a young Sean Spencer. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) This confused me so much because the voiceover, I didn't know if the voiceover was Yang talking to Yin. Yeah. Or it it almost sounded like like she was talking to um, young Sean. So I did not, I totally didn't get who the young Sean with um, Yang was there. Wait, what do you mean? So the way um, Yin is sort of like kind of touches this photograph and almost it almost looks like it's his mother. So in a way, I was like, oh. like wait, is Yang Yin's mom? It confused me. And then there was oh, the vo- yeah. the Yang, Mally's voiceover talking to Yin. Or whether it was in Yin's head, it was um, interesting. Confu- uh, Ali, I don't know, maybe you can add some insights to that. I, I wish I could. Um, I didn't, the voiceover, I think we did that when I was looping mm-hmm. must've been mm-hmm. right. And I still, I still couldn't see what the episode and all mm-hmm. the pieces were going on in James's head. Also, I knew that he had this trilogy in his head. Mm-hmm. So this is because he had told me that. So this is this is way before the idea of a musical. So it was going to be the first episode of Yang, this one, and then the next one that comes on with Peter and all mm-hmm. of that, right? Mm-hmm. So this was in the middle. 
So I was doing the voiceover, not knowing what Rodet had in his head as far as what was going to happen with this three episode arc. Oh. So I, I did not know um, where this was going. Basically. I don't, um, I don't think I any of us did. Honestly, because no. I, I no. was the shot of, sorry, the shot of Yin coming in. So the table where the, um, the photograph is sitting, there's sort of this weird Victorian tea set there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird house. It's like a weird set. Yeah. It's very, it can almost be like the, in, the inside of the psycho house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. you guys, well, let's go, let's do our fan questions. Um, and, uh, if anybody has anything else, they still want to throw into the mix, they can, but okay. What was the scariest thing about being on the clock tower? Oh, well, that was the fact that it was real. That's it. The scariest <laughs> thing about being on the clock tower was being on the clock tower, strapped to the top of the clock tower. No question. Uh, it was crazy. One and of the wildest experiences you, of my life. You didn't drink until after the scene. Did not. I was offered. So the scary Tim, thing is like, I, I had booze for you, but you didn't take it yet. Tim brought, because I really felt like, I mean, it was one of those situations where uh, you know, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe that's a good idea just to calm my nerves. But because of the stakes of the situation and because of like the episode, you know, I just didn't really want to be wanted. I didn't want to be in an altered state of any kind. So for me, it was Again, like professional and professional. Yeah. But also like if my reflexes are not quick right now, um, I'm this is not a good time. So I, you did, you so sweetly brought me, I think a flask or something to just be like, just take a sip, just take a sip. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is going to go. However, or I think I had some little airplane bottles of vodka or oh, airplane bottles of vodka. That's what it was. That is what it was. Um, and then you still had to shoot that scene, uh, the, the bit with Dulé when we got done. So I went back to the Sutton place, my knees being very wobbly and Kirsten had a Cosmo waiting for me at the bar at the Gerard. Um, Hi. so then, then I drank, um, okay. Of the trilogy, which episode is your favorite? I want to hear that from all of you, every, all of us. Mine's Yen. That's easy. Same. Agreed. This one? I was Wait, leaning towards the musical. Is this is my favorite. Um, yeah. I think this is my favorite. I think it's for the same reason. And yeah. Or the first. I like the, the first one too. Probably for the same reason, Tim. Um, but I feel like the first one, the setup is, it's actually close. But emotionally, on a personal level for, I think like Tim and I, this would probably be our favorite just because of what we share. But Allie, what would be yours? Well, out of all of the Yang things that I did, the musical is actually my favorite. Yes. Um, it is. So it's but, really um, more than a trilogy. It's what's a four? What's four? A quadrupology. A quadrupology. <laughs> a, quartet. a quartet. A quartet. A quartet. Okay, we like this. It's a quartet. So See, we're smart. Yeah. It's a quartet. Wow, the musical. Yes. I love the musical. I, it's its own separate thing. Yeah, but this is out of the three arc thing. I, I think this is my favorite one also. Um, the third one, what was it? What's the third one called in the in the trilogy? Mystery and presents and Yang in 2D. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. That's the third one. Yeah, yeah. OK, got it. I think so. yeah. And then the musical. That, right. Yeah. So the, and yeah, that one, the third one, like 
just very, very heavy on a lot of complicated plot and all that. Although I did actually, no, that's not, I did, I did really, hmm. Hmm. What? I did, I did like, I liked doing the third one a lot also. I actually, that, I get confused. No, yeah, the third one was with the awful dress. Yes. Yes. The awful dress. But Ali, in the musical, you're right. Like, it's so funny. I think of the trilogy and like the musical is just on its own thing, but it is, you're so, oh my God. Those shots. I love the musical. The musical was just, was just really, really fun. I did like, the third one with all, I remember the dress and the thing in the jail. And I, yep. I had a lot of really fun stuff to do. And the third one, this one, the second one was where I, I feel like I got to figure out a bit more of Yang's, the dark side of Yang's emotional life. Um, well, you certainly found it. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. all this stuff about being locked up for Yang. Yeah. Is so... Yeah. Again, expansive and fluid. It was really hard to be in that little room. It was really hard to be in that room and have Sean on the other side of the glass. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I was just didn't have that much I could do except the ball. There was one little, I just remember this doing this episode so clearly. There was one thing actually in that I don't know if it ended up in the cut, but there was a place where instead of bouncing up the walls, there was something like that Yang had to get yanked back all of a sudden yes. by something. Where is that? Because you, can see, the, you course, can see the back. I think it's the scene with the um the ball. Because you can see in the scene, there's a cable of some sort behind you. Yeah, that's pulling you back. That's right. Okay. Yeah, because that happened. Woo. If that's still in there, right? The pullback? Yeah. I, I just remember doing it. I can't remember. It is. That was so bizarre for yeah. anybody listening because it was like a force, a kinetic force. And it just like throw, it seemed to come from within Yang, but throw her back onto the bench. Somebody had to cut a hole in the wall behind me and they had their hand <laughs> pulling a rope that was around my waist oh or my something god, just to really? like pull back to yank really, you back really. oh my god that's crazy yeah, it, was, it was pretty it's, nuts it was just sort of like sort of super inside baseball here very thick an actress like ally who's so sort of visceral and physical and then put you in this character in that little room is is really an amazing it's almost it's almost evil in a way, but the way you had it brought it, it did something where it probably had to really make you even more grounded. Like you're already such a grounded actress. Yeah, thank but, you. But also, I felt, like, I felt very, uh, I felt very alone in in the cell. Mm-hmm. I definitely needed Reginald because there was no one to talk to. Yeah, um, yeah. So Reginald had to my create Reginald had to be there. The ball, yeah. the bench, like there was just like nothing to play with in there. And then that last shot where um, James just said, okay, I'm just going to do a shot. The camera's going to come in and you're just sitting there by yourself. Like, go. Do you know what I mean? And that was when so I felt good. like all of Yang's loneliness because mm. so much she has so much fun playing with people. Yeah. But then when there's nobody there, she's just sort of... She can't play. And you were oh, probably no. stuck there in between takes too because they would have to like remove a wall to let you like run out to go to craft service. Yeah. So you probably had to stay in that, probably, in that cell the entire no, I had to stay in there. Yeah. yeah. There was a door, I think. I think there was a door. But no, I just stayed in there. Like pretty much the whole time. Pretty, wow. I think so. I, I think I, I think I remembered that as well. I think I remember James talking about that too. Just like how uh, committed you were to that space as well. Even as ugh, lonely as it was. It's so good. We and a lesser actress would not have done anywhere near what you did. No. 
Oh, Allie. Tim, you're no, I'm cry. not blowing smoke. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. It's 100 percent true. It's 100 percent. This was something no, different. Thank God we got you for this. I know, and that's what I, I mean when I say, like, the whole series I think went to another level. But I honestly believe between, I think this episode, you and Jimmy, there was some new thing that that happened having you that. Uh, it really, it just raised the the whole game, the whole game of the show. I was just going to say it upped everybody's it game. It upped everybody's game. Yeah. Yeah. It upped everybody's game. You know who's kind of a hot mess? Literally everyone. Sometimes we could use a little routine to help us out or maybe even a ritual. Ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. With nine key nutrients in two capsules per day, their unique beadlet and oil is even patented. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning that what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. A minty essence in every bottle keeps things fresh and helps make taking your multis every day actually enjoyable. Ritual has been so great, and it's been easy to get into the routine of taking them every day. Plus, I love knowing where all of the ingredients come from and why they're being used. It's really important to me. Um, and honestly, it's it's also part of like just feeling better. I feel better when I take it. I really love Ritual. Instead of striving for better health, aim for supporting foundational health. Great news. Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash pineapple to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. It was really important to me when um, James said, okay, it's going to be a trilogy. This is what I want. Yeah. Um, Because then I felt like, oh, okay, if there's going to be an arc here going with this character, then, uh, and even though I didn't know exactly, even before we did all three, I can't remember when he told me, but... um, in the second one, it felt like there's a whole other level and dimension of Yang that I'm going to find in here now because Yang is going is not only going to be in a situation where she's in a, in a car to drive in with him, right? right? Now it's like, what's Yang's bigger world? Yeah. Got to find it. Got to create it, right? And yeah. then I'm creating our bigger world, except I can only do it in that one location, which is in the cell, right? So it was trying to pull in her greater world and how she lives in the greater world, but then it all has to get confined into, into this, this one tiny space. space. Can't interact with anybody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was interesting. It was all there. I think, it's all I think there. Every one of your scenes is in that cell, right? Hmm? Uh, yeah. Every one of your scenes in this episode is in that cell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was her, the space. Okay. Why is Jules crying at the end? Is it because of what she's been through or because of Sean and uh, Sean saved Abigail? <laughs> That's actually a funny question. <laughs> I mean, well, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. She saved Abigail, does she? I I do at this point. Yeah, it's the next day. Everybody knows. Uh, the next morning, everybody. I know oh, the very end. I, I know everybody's safe now. Like so, when I break down to you, yeah. No, I think it's because of what I've 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 been through. But you know, considering this is episode two of the trilogy, and both times. Abigail, <laughs> Abigail <laughs> is uh, in the way of the Juliet Sean. So maybe there's a little uh, kernel of that under there. No, there's not. Oh, there's can I zero. put a trivia thing in? Yes. That was Rachel Lee Cook, right? Yes. Do you know I played her mother in a, in a something once? 
No, we so do we have another psych degrees of separation happening? Okay, Allie, what? Yes, we were actually, I think I just saw her in passing and um, I guess it must, I don't think I ran into her when we did the first one because I was only there for that one night. Yeah. But I think maybe it was on the second one I ran into her at the hotel, the hotel where everybody's at the hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so funny. I saw that she was on there. Um, and oh no, I did. I ran into her before they did the water scene. Yeah, I remember. That's the first episode, I think. Um, oh yeah, so that they have to get up in water. Yeah, big tank. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we were yeah, up against was, it. This, yeah. Was, I did this little TV movie called Country Justice. It was originally called Coal Miner's Granddaughter. That's what it was. Oh my god, I love and that they it's changed like... it to Country Justice. Yeah. And can you imagine? George C. Scott was in that movie. And Rachel, and I was playing her mother, her really drunk, messed up, angry mother. Yeah. And Rachel was learning how to drive. And so we went to this, we were in the middle of, um, we shot it. I think we did shoot it in West Virginia. We were in the middle of absolutely nowhere in this little, um, motel kind of, it was, there was, there was nowhere to go and nothing to do. Right. And we went driving lessons into the, um, <laughs> into the parking lot of like, uh, we went, we found a shopping center, um, oh. when everything was closed. Yeah. It was on the weekend. You know, nobody was there. It was probably, and, and we did driving lessons. So she was like, <laughs> wait, so you taught Rachel Lee Cook how to drive? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I am not a good driver. No, she, she was a good driver. I was just present for it. You were chaperoning. Correct. And I don't, I think there, I think her mom, somebody was there. I, I trying to remember if there was another person in the car. Um, and I'm not sure that there was, <laughs> it was just us, but I'm not positive. Oh my God. But yeah, I she love was learning this. how to drive in a parking lot in West Virginia. Yeah. This is amazing psych trivia, everybody. Not funny. This is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I love that. Um, okay, this is last last question. Was there a script or direction for the scene where Jules breaks down in Lassie's arms? Um, no, I think it was just that Juliet was uh waving people off, like, leave me alone, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then it just said she, you know, she breaks down in her partner's arms. And I'm pretty sure that's all it said. And then I'm sure it was because I was in reading that was in one of my notes. I was I played the scene back a dozen times. Literally, yeah, and I was reading your lips, reading my lips. So when I come in, you, you first say, "I'm fine." It looks like it's I'm what fine. You say. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm very much like everybody. And then get away when from I say, me. "Say you're not fine." Yeah. Then eventually it looks like, and y'all rewatching back, it looks like as you once you're broken down, I think you say, "I've got." I think I say, "I've got you. You're fine." Yeah, you do. That's what your mouth is saying. So here's why this scene wrecked me so much. Obviously, the Lassiter O'Hara relationship, but it's because your performance of you watching you, my dear friend. Now, like watching it years later, this being able to step back and not see as much O'Hara Lassiter, but watching my friend Maggie, like trying just the, the great emotion of you trying to keep your shit together, is what just killed me. It's so already getting me going. I know. It's the same. I literally was like tears just like running down my face watching it. I just also remember it was so powerful for us. Tim and I are so close and we, you know, this is season 
four of the show. Like we're so uh, like, it was a moment that had been, I think building for such a long time. And so for, for both of us, it was just really, it was really powerful. And every time we get to watch it again, it replays all of that. Yeah. And what, th- this is why every time Maggie and I or I are in Vancouver without the other, we take a picture of that clock every and time it to each other for years. Aww, we, that's so sweet. we still do it. Uh, Allie, that's our episode. Thank you. Yay! Oh my God. Allie, this was, was incredible. so freaking wonderful to see you and talk to you again. It's been I so know, long so since nice. we chatted. So, so nice. nice. I like, and honestly, this- and we'll have you back. Like, let's get you back for the musical. Let's get you back for another, um, uh, the part of the, tri- the rest of the trilogy. Like, let's like, la- I will be reaching out to you if you're down. Um, yeah, no, I'd love to. Are you kidding? Yeah. It'd be great. And, this, and when we because, do the musical episode, that's really going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I want a multi perspective. I want us to do like a multi part uh, musical uh, podcast thing. Like, I literally want to get like. Have to get Jimmy on for that. Jimmy's take, your yes. take, Steve's take. I mean, it was just such an undertaking and it just so turned out so magical. And so, yeah. And do lay tap dancing oh. and. Just doing that weird Jamaican. What was that song he did? Jamaican. What's the something Jamaican? Um, what is the name of the song? It was so the Jamaican Inspector Man. What is it? Jamaican what? But there's Jake, but our, I think our big scene on stage was when you're making up a song. Oh, when you're making yes. up a song. Yeah, that was ours. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. balloons and all that. Yeah. yeah. That whole thing. Incredible. Oh my God, it was just so incredibly much fun. Well, it really was. you'll be hearing from us soon because that's just around the corner. So, um, awesome. yeah. Great. Allie, thank you so much. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you for bringing this incredibly complicated character uh, to uh-huh. Psych and, and, and making all of us uh, up our game. I'm so happy and that makes me feel really great. Yeah. Just, I will be glowing for a week over that. One final clock tower moment. Oh, Com- yeah. Comment. So the reason Clock Tower is obviously so important is because it was really, it really sets up, the, it's the catalyst for what our relationship, our character's relationship goes into. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the setup, it's the prequel to um, the goodbye scene in- um, In Odyssey. In Psych Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's, so you couldn't, you couldn't have had that Psych Odyssey scene without this Clock Tower scene. No, this is the beginning of the, this is the beginning of the new, of the new chapter of O'Hara and Lassiter, for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, and we'll be talking all about that in our future episodes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anybody, we, everybody, we podcasted the shit out of it. Bye. Enjoy your Saturday. Thanks, Dolly Sheedy. Love you both. Bye, Bye y'all. Talk Lots to you soon. Hey there, psychos. I've got a short list of questions in front of me provided by the incomparable Maggie Lawson and... Timothy Tripod Amundsen regarding uh, Mr. Yin Presents. So let's get right into it. Was uh, was Yang always intended to be a trilogy? <sighs> no, we did not specifically have a trilogy in mind. However, we were interested in, in creating uh, what I think we were calling at the time a supervillain within the psych universe that could serve as uh, an arch nemesis for Sean. So we were certainly interested in having this character come back, but we had not yet uh, targeted a 
the trilogies specifically that uh, that manifested uh, once we got into it and memory serves it was the season finale like three years in a row and I think it sort of it found its way to a, a completion after th three installments because we didn't want to overstay our welcome but definitely wanted Yang to be uh, a recurring character well, I'll jump ahead to the to a to a deeper question was it written for Ali Sheedy uh, this is a good segue. It was not written for Ali Sheedy. It wasn't written specifically for anyone. But here's a good piece of trivia. At one point, we thought we were going to cast Rudger Hauer. May he rest. The late, great Rudger Hauer of Blade Runner and the Hitcher and Ladyhawk fame. And we had referenced him in the show before, and it felt like a very kitschy piece of site casting and also he he played a great creepy villain and he was interested in doing it but he wanted to jump on the phone with uh andy berman and i which we thought was awesome uh and we were very excited uh, to do so and his one condition for playing the role was that yang had to die at the end of uh of the first one uh, an evening with Mr. Yang when when the character is sitting in uh, in the car with the button and Sean's mom has got dynamite strapped to her. His take was that, uh, you know, he had played the game and and Sean, you know, had thought that maybe he had beat him. But the whole thing was was in aid of him blowing himself up at the end, which was bold, but also just not at all what we had in mind. Uh, it also obviously would have prevented Yang from coming back. So that's why it was a good segue uh, into this question. So we uh, opted not to go with Mr. Hauer, and then we opened it up uh, non-gender specific and... And that's when we landed on Ali Sheedy, and it was the coolest thing that possibly could have happened. Her her sort of androgynous take on the character was way cooler than anything that was on the page, and and cooler than anything we could have imagined. And she obviously made that role her own and took it to to new heights. And uh, and then we got to bring Yang back over and over and over again. So it was uh, a huge win for our show and for that mini franchise within the show. Uh, was there ever talk of either Juliet or Abigail not living through Mr. Yin Presents? Uh, of course not. That's not our show. We, uh, we never would have obviously killed Juliet under any circumstances. And Abigail, uh, was, was an interesting foil for, for Juliet. She was an interesting wrinkle for Sean's development. And she, uh, she hung around and, 
and did some good stuff, I think, for character development. So it would have been a crummy way to to send her off. Um, but it did it did make for some high stakes, uh, you know, Act Six drama, putting both of their lives on the line. Uh, a good segue. Uh, for the next question would be, do we regret killing Mary lightly uh, so early in the series since I just said, oh my gosh, we would never kill Juliet or, or Abigail or anyone that we care about. Uh, and yet Mary would be the one character that we did do that with. And it, it, looking back, yes, it would have been great to have Mary alive a little bit longer because uh, we would have had more options. And of course, Jimmy is fantastic and one of my dearest friends and, and one of, if not my favorite actors on the planet. So yes, that would have been, it would have been fun uh, to have more options with that character. But the reason we killed him uh, is because the fans, our psychos, our beloved psychos, were so sure uh, after after the first Yang that Mary was in cahoots with Yang, that, uh, you know, we, we had to stay a step ahead. You know, this was, uh, this was when chat rooms and, and social media and, and the internet was, you know, putting its stamp on how people watch television. And so once we knew that that was the direction that everybody's heads were going, we, we obviously had to do the opposite. And we went, we went all the way with it. Uh, however, it did, it did open up uh, the possibilities of, of of bringing him back posthumously, which became sort of a, fu- a really fun challenge for us. And uh, you know, he he has appeared <laughs> multiple times uh, since his demise, and I would imagine, uh, you know, if we get to make more. Uh, we probably still haven't seen the end of Mary Lightly. So, so that's been fun. Uh, final question. Uh, did I have to cut anything from Mr. Yin Presents on account of it being too dark? That's a good question because it definitely was one of our darker episodes. Uh, but I got to say, over the course of, of the entire run of the series, uh, the amount of creative agency that we had both within our own our own team circle, headed by Steve Franks, and in the studio and the network, um, UCP and, and USA, uh, was always uh, pretty fantastic and, pr- and pretty hands-off. Uh, there just weren't that many times that they said, hey, you can't do this. And I remember the only note that came in from, from the top about that episode was some some sort of reckoning from Sean to Yin, I believe, at the pier, because they face off for like just a second before he he chooses to let him go and go try and, and save Abigail, where our, our, our top execs needed to feel like 
um, some version of of Sean saying or feeling or thinking or indicating, hey, if if she dies, uh, you die. And if anything, that's that's darker. And I can't remember if that stayed in. Um, but we did add it to the script, some version of she dies, you die. Uh, which, you know, was pretty intense for, for Sean and, and psych. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about all the stuff we did. We strapped poor Maggie to a clock tower, um, and tested her, her fear of heights. We tied (laughs) poor Rachel Lee Cook to a post, uh, in a water tank and had, had the water rising up to the middle of her face. I mean, we, we really went for it on that episode and, and, uh, didn't, didn't really feel like we left anything on the table or, or, or weren't able to do, um, the stuff that we wanted to do. So again, very lucky, always very grateful that we had so much license to go the places we wanted to go that episode specifically because it was Hitchcock influenced and peppered with homage needed to have the right tone. It needed to be scary. It needed to be creepy and it needed to be dark. And, uh, we were able to, to do all of those things. Another fun one, another feather in the cap. We'll talk again soon. I know I said this before, but this may be one of the best episodes of the podcast yet, seriously. Hearing Allie's insight on her character and why she made the choices that she made, it's an actor's dream come true. She's she's just incredible, absolutely incredible, and a wonderful human being. Um, seriously, what a way to end out another season of our podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram, at the psychologists are in, and our Twitter, at psychologistpod. Plus, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash psychologists are in for full video episodes of the pod. And have I mentioned how much we love you, psychos? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.